Today on the Soda Pod, we'll run down the Minnesota Wild's recent play, as well as some NHL league-wide news. We're also bringing on David Schuster, longtime Chicago sports beat writer and broadcaster, now host of the podcast Chicago Sports with David Schuster, to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks sexual assault scandal. All that and more in episode 221 of the Soda Pod. Let's go. 7th Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod. The official beer and hockey podcast of 7th Avenue Pizza. Wildwoods of Vancouver Island. Welcome to the Soda Pod. Isha drove me here alongside the state of Hoppy. And thank you for joining us wherever and whenever you are listening. How's it going, buddy? Man, it's been uh it's been a stretch here. Um actually got to on Friday night celebrate my mom's 60th birthday. And, oh happy, uh, happy belated. Happy, happy belated. And out of that came two. Shout outs to the Bob father, Bob McKenzie. Love so it. I just have to share that right off the top here. First and foremost, I've been saving this for her 60th. Um, so thank you, Bob. If by some miracle you ever hear this, uh, he always talks, whether it's on his podcasts he's done or even going on with guys like Spit and Chicklets, he has talked about not only his snobbery of wine, but being more so of a wine glass snob. And which is the way it should be, by the way, it, I mean, I wouldn't know. I'm not a wine guy. So <laughs> I, I get this glass for her though, that he talks about. It's called the Zalto Z-A-L-T-O. Yeah. And like, it's literally this like massive, like glass with a stem that's just got like a ball on the end. It's not like something you can set down on the stem. So you lay it down on its side. It's beautiful. And like, it, it looks really cool. And it's supposed to be like, again, the shape and the size of, you know, the container just does something for the flavors. Like we've talked about it in previous episodes for like how a different glass can impact, you know, what you're drinking as far as beer is concerned. Like there's specific ones for stouts versus IPAs. And anyways, he said he would rather drink a $30 bottle of wine out of an $80 glass than an $80 bottle of wine out of a $30 glass. So what did I do? I got her the $80 glass and I got her a $30 bottle of wine to go with it. And Bob McKenzie, she approved. She thinks it's awesome. She also confirmed because I basically told her, I'm like, you're not allowed to like use this on nights where you're having several because <laughs> my, my dad right away is like, yeah, like what's the over under on this breaking? <laughs> so that that's that. But then also on top of it, I was texting her the day before making plans. Cause we surprised her. We took her out to dinner and we went to this awesome place. Isha, I forget what it's called already. I'll have to look it up to give them a proper shout out, but it's basically a place where they like use different terms and names, but it's basically you go there with people and it's like real life, Family Feud, Wheel of Fortune, Price is Right, and it was a fucking blast. Uh, you would actually appreciate this, though, Isha. Um, we all had to pick our names and have a name tag. Oh, yeah. You're a big friends guy. Yeah, yeah. I was Princess Consuela Banana Hammock. <laughs> and there was a part at the end where they played like music for us to do a little Plinko game. 
And I like went over to the side and asked him, like, hey man, any chance you can play Smelly Cat when I go up there? Oh, he nailed it. He nailed yes. it. Yes. It was perfect. Perfect landing. That's but, amazing. So I'm I'm navigating the waters here, trying to come up with like a reasonable way to get out of you know being at dinner because I'm not supposed to be there. And she tells me out of nowhere, I learn on the eve of her 60th birthday that one of her favorite television shows is Peaky Blinders. No way. Blew my mind. I never expected it. And she like always asked me, she's like, oh, it's so like, what are some of the shows you watch? And I'm like, well, this is a great one, but you wouldn't like it. <laughs> and, and I know that's one that Bob McKenzie always promotes too. That's and why I started I was, watching it because I of his podcast. I was shocked that she enjoys it. Oh, dude, I, it's, it's one of my favorite shows. Top five, no questions asked. It's good. Um, Killian Murphy's incredible. But yeah, so two shout outs there to the great Bob McKenzie, who I've missed so dearly of late. Oh. Um, you have no idea, man, especially up here in Canada. It's, it's definitely, it's, uh, it feels like there's a hole in the hockey world for us. Yeah, but you see him at the supermarket. So like, it's a little different for you. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh, man. That's funny. You say that about the, your mom and shows though. Cause my mom's the same way. She's like, well, what are you watching? Like, what, what should I start watching? And I was like, I don't know, mom. I just finished squid games and I don't think, I don't think you'd be into that. She watched the first episode. She's like, yeah, not my cup of tea. She's like, I, she's got, a, I get a lot of kill, uh, kill bill vibes from this. I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> she's like, I didn't like that one either. Oh man. Well, gotta, gotta give a quick shout out here as well to seventh Ave pizza. Uh, oh, I see that. Once again, we're, we're going to make this a thing. Isha. We're going to get the soda slice to be real. Just making the biggest slice you possibly can going across the entirety of the pizza. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and also a quick shout out to our friends at Northland Vodka. Uh, if you saw our teaser on uh, our Twitter account, MNC A on Friday, uh, the SodaPod account at the SodaPod just shared it again. We have some great content coming out um, in collaboration with our friends at Northland Vodka. And that's all I'll say on that. Go check out our Twitter account again, at the Soda Pod. And you can also find us on Facebook, at the Soda Pod. Um, in addition to MNCAA, every Friday, you can find our other shows, the Brewery Travel Podcast, on its own feed every Thursday. So go check that out. Um, Joel also has his Twitter page, of course, and uh, a page devoted to the podcast on Facebook, at the Brewery Travels Podcast. And every Tuesday, to round up, the world of prospects in the NHL and the Minnesota Wild in particular. We got Judd's Buds with your boy Spoke Z took over our, uh, or he hacked, I should say, our Twitter account uh, throughout the weekend. I, I think I think everyone got a got a kick out of it. I know Michael Russo did. I know that I know okay. that for a fact. <laughs> I mean, how could you not enjoy him taking over any account? Yeah, um, we've changed the password. We'll give you an update if he can crack it. Uh, <laughs> much like I'm about to crack this next beer here uh, <laughs> next week. I guess you'll just know. If he takes it over <laughs> again, you'll be like, God damn it, Isha, you got to set harder passwords. Um, the Hockey Podcast Network and the Soda Pod are proudly powered by DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use promo code THPN upon sign up for a bonus. And if you're a regular user, plug that promo code in for a weekly deal. Uh, on the other side, quick, quick hoppy hour here. I got a great beer on tap uh, a little ode to this halloween i guess it's not really a halloween special but it is october 31st at the time of this recording so we'll get into all that and more on episode 221 of the soda pod first i'd like to propose a toast to umd goaltender alex stalock to stalock i love that stuff been drinking it for years you know i, I heard they recently decided to add more hops 
to it. You're all hopped out? All right. I'm pumped on this one, not only because it's Phillips and they're one of my favorite breweries out here uh, on the West Coast, but also a little ode to Halloween, the Green Reaper Fresh Hop IPA. Again, the, 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 the artwork at Phillips Brewing is you know second to none here on uh, not even Vancouver Island, but the, the entire West Coast. This one coming out, coming at 6.5%, even says on the can, strong beer. And what I love about Phillips, they always give a little spiel about the beer. So this one says, the Green Reaper is a fresh hop apparition sent to collect your taste buds and guide them to the aftertaste. The hops aren't dried. They're delivered fresh to the brew house within 24 hours, maximizing hoppy flavor. But harvest time is short, so grab yours before it goes uh, out of season for another year. So again, Phillips, they have so many great seasonal and just random drops that like there's no promotion. They just drop and they know if the art's dope, it will sell. And <laughs> it, it's true. And it's an unbelievable, uh, unique business model out here. So can't wait to crack this one. Oh, man. And uh, so part of the surprise for my mom was my aunt and uncle, the ones who hosted my wife, my mom, my sister out east when they hit up... Uh, Winnipesaukee and Portland, Maine. And he all of a sudden is now into beer and I got him hooked on untapped and I gave him, Ooh, baby, that looks delicious. Got him uh, to have a couple different varieties of lupulin. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sold. I'm set. We're done. God, the, the, what were the two peanut butter ones that came out? Peanut butter infused ones, related ones that lupulin was, they had it on their Instagram account. They take such a such outstanding photos, their promotional photos that I can't oh, keep yeah. track. But I saw there was like a, it was a peanut butter uh, cereal, Reese's peanut butter cup cereal type of beer. Uh, well, anyways. they just they, the one they just did because I know Joey actually sent me a picture of it. It was like almost like a Count Chocula, like okay. Beer. I tagged I tagged him in it. I tagged the uh -huh. uh, at State of Hoppy on Instagram. I'm not That's, a huge Instagram guy. If anyone wants to follow me, it's the same handle at VI. Not a grammar. Store. Not a grammar. I got you know the <laughs> picture of my. I have the video of me bailing on the my mountain bike. So if you're new to the soda pod, you can go find it there. Other than that, like a couple hippie Vancouver Island things, and that's about it. I actually like took off all the shit from college because I'm like, I'm not really using this anymore. And sure, people now are looking me up. So I, there's some things that just should not be on there. But anyways, <laughs> I use it to tag uh, Joey in, in good beer pictures. Fair, fair. Well, what I got here then is part of the fresh batch series from Toppling Goliath. Oh, we have their s'mores pastry stout yes and uh you already mentioned the tagline on your beer this one is stay chilling and relaxing we put no lactose in <laughs> so definitely gets That's the job good. done and i mean you can see this is just a nice thick syrupy motherfucker oh it's delicious. yeah it, literally it night and day here on the soda pod <laughs> but two outstanding <laughs> beers Oh, and this one, this is right up your alley, Hoppy. Fresh Hop IPA. Um, yeah, this is so refreshing. For a nice sunny Halloween day here on Vancouver Island, usually it's pissing rain. It's pissing rain or you get that one random first snow. Um, first and only snow sometimes here on the island. But today it's so clear. Actually, the Aurora Borealis were visible last night uh, from 2 a.m. to about 4 a.m., which was amazing. You don't see northern lights here on the west coast where where i'm from anyways because it's just 
it's pretty south, uh, one of the most southern parts of Canada. So it was truly amazing to see. It was that clear, crisp. I think it, I don't know, it was almost zero. Like it was, it was cold. Which uh, that's where we get to speak the same language, temperature-wise. Zero, <laughs> Americans and Canadians. No, it's not. Is it not? Zero for you is thirty-two for us. Because zero is freezing, right? Well, no, close, but no dice there for me. At least Hoppy knew what I was talking about. It was damn cold yesterday um, in some. Anyways, let's move on to some uh, some Minnesota Wild and just some general NHL talk. And then after that, we'll bring on our friend David Schuster, again, covering the Chicago Blackhawks for many, many years, as well as all Chicago sports. Uh, you're listening to The Soda Pod, episode 221, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. I see the jersey hanging behind you, Hoppy. So I just want to, I know it's later on the notes here, but I want to get into it right away. Kalen motherfucking Addison, I would say was the bright spot of the Wilds, uh, the Wilds last two, I guess the Wilds weekend. He, he was the only bright spot because not that I'm panicking personally, like a lot of Minnesota Wild Twitter, but uh, it ain't pretty. But that kid, he's fucking pretty. And that jersey you have behind you is fucking pretty as well. And you know what? I, I will say before we just go on a gush fest on Addison, um, he wasn't the only bright spot in my opinion. I do think that Ryan Hartman has done everything he can to try and carry this team by himself. He should not have to do so. Yeah, that's not he, fair for sure. He has been everything we could ask for and has vastly exceeded that contract that he got in this offseason. Hobby. I agree wholeheartedly, and to be honest, I don't talk about him on every episode because I feel like if I do, I'll go overboard. But literally, yeah. he is—he's one of my favorite players on this team. I—I I, I truly think he—he's done exactly what you said, brought everything he has to the table in his role at, at this level. And you know who he is to me, and this is me translating my Pittsburgh Penguins knowledge. This is Brian Rust. Okay, I, I like that. Swiss Army Knife player can literally play first line all the way down through fourth line, can play power play, can kill penalties, can do it all. And you know what? Given time, if he's put in the right situations, I even think he's got slightly more propensity to score goals. But yeah, former first first rounder. I know he was the, what the last pick or one of the last picks matter. in the first round, but it doesn't matter. He had first round talent. Yeah. So I I really do like everything he's done, and uh, it's funny. Um, I think it was Aaron Heckman that said it online. Now I'm going to feel bad if it was someone else, but uh, just said like Ryan Hartman has been the best player for this team so far. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I agree. And that speaks so highly to what he's done, but also let's get into it. Isha. Like how bad have our stars been to the point where they've allowed Ryan Hartman to be their best player? <laughs> no scoring. That's the thing. Like I, in the first few games, and again, against pretty easy opponents, and I'm, I'm not necessarily speaking to the last two because that's the last two games just were kind of stinkers. Yeah. But overall, Caprizo and Fiala have been doing everything else right. That like, I'm like, okay, the scoring will come. Like they're still, these lines aren't set in stone for the most part because the, the Wild don't have a top center. So whatever's rolling, like Everson's going to have to roll with that. Fiala, yeah, he's, I hate when everyone just now is like labeling him as a streaky player, but he's he kind of is right now just because there's nights where he can do it all himself or kind of all the stars align and there's other nights where it's like, 
fuck, man. The guy has nothing. He has no one else to help him. Now, it just the last few games, his game just hasn't been that great. And I'll say the same thing for Kaprizov. The first, like, I'd say four or five games, I, I noticed him out there. Like, es- yeah. especially against the Vancouver Canucks. I thought the, the Wild had played actually a very good game. It was a... It was a close game. It wasn't a high-scoring game. You know, three goals to Vancouver's two. But for the most part, I thought the Wild outplayed Vancouver in almost every facet of the game. And when Matt Zuccarello's buzzing, Matt Zuccarello's fucking buzzing. He he was unreal. So great showing last week in Vancouver. Held them to only two despite scoring three times. Thatcher Demko, I thought in that game, actually, and I'm not even being Vancouver biased, he actually had a really, really good game for, for that team. So the fact they scored three goals anyways is is awesome. Uh, Rem Pitlick scores, Matt Zuccarello buzzing, as I mentioned. So in textbook Minnesota sports fashion, both these guys then get put on COVID-19 <laughs> protocol alongside uh, Goligoski. Am I missing? Is anyone else on there? Or is it just those three right now? Oh, I thought it was just those three. Okay, okay. I'm just, I'm just making sure I didn't know if anything else was announced today as I haven't really look much on twitter today um so the last two losses funny identical losses for one oh, green, loss. greenway's hurt greenway's hurt okay well let's be honest that, that's that, just really easy for me to gloss over that's why i didn't think of it yeah and again wish greenway all the best in recovery but that doesn't matter right now because he hasn't been impacting the team for for better or, or really yeah, i hope worse. he's healthy i just don't care if he yeah. gets back on the ice yeah so two two losses uh four one losses each one to the expansion team not named vegas and the other to the colorado avalanche um quickly let's talk about brandon Duham. i know i've been talking about him z swoons over him i i, I hate that i have to talk poorly about him right now but the wires crossed in uh, in that last game, and that was a that was a pretty that was a pretty bad fucking shove there. He had uh, pushing, I, I, who who was it again into the boards? Um, that young Owen player, Hiram. the the Vancouver, the former Vancouver Giants player. Yeah, um, so that that wasn't a good look. I know <laughs> Twitter freaked out about that one too, and I was like, oh, not not my boy, not my boy Duham. Well, and Twitter also freaked out over the fact that it absolutely should have been a fight. I don't know how. Nathan McKinnon had any part in that five minute major. Like, why is that not a fight? Please explain. You're you're the big fight like supporter. No, that, that, that doesn't make, that doesn't make any, any sense to me at all. That, that really doesn't. Like if you participate thrown, (laughs) thrown down, you automatically should get that penalty, you know, redemption or not involved, which I think, you know, Props to McKinnon. There's my old school coming out, standing up for for the young player. I mean, standing up for the young player against the young player. <laughs> against the young player, but still, I mean, look what happened to Ovechkin and Sveshnikov in the playoffs. Like, you got challenged. Ovechkin beat the shit out of Sveshnikov. What's I know, point? I know. I again, I like when you answer the bell. Like when you're in when you're in the game, age is kind of not a factor, especially when your player just got absolutely cheap shotted there. So I, I get it. I'm not, I'm not against it. It was barely a fight anyways. It was like, I don't even think either of them landed a punch. They like swung and then <laughs> fell on each other. Kind of. Yeah. Whatever. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a fight. You know, it, it was, it was a little tussle. Um, I, I have no issue with that. I think do him. If he's going to play this hard nosed game that I love from him, he's going to have to smarten up a little bit and make sure to not make stupid fucking plays. Uh, that can you know put other players at at serious injury first. Now I know every player when you go on the ice, you're kind of there's a risk you're going to get injured. That's the game of hockey. Uh, you don't make it any better for your peers out there, even if they're your uh, opponents uh, with plays like that. So that's what I'll say on Duhame. I, I tweeted out and uh, I tagged Spoke Z earlier saying I still love him. I still love him. You know he he's a young player. If he's going to learn. If he's going to play this type of game, he's he's going to have to learn. I'm gr- I'm glad Byram's okay though. Yeah, and I mean. 
I think it's a learning experience for him. It sucks that he had to take a play like that, but you also have the factor that like he's not going to get benched for the play no. because we don't have any other warm bodies. Yeah. Um, it was funny. I was, I was joking around on Twitter saying that Caprizov's a bust. Um, and then did anyone Sean take it seriously? Um, yeah, one person, and he actually like was was not angry, like in, was engaging in conversation. He's like, no, I don't think he's a total bust, but and then he, like went off on oh, all the things. Man. So I was like. This is hilarious. I love it. Um, I don't have Twitter up right now or I'd give him a shout out. Uh, I will later. But uh, Sean, who uh, shout out Sean Costco, we pretty much sat through the entire Canucks Minnesota wild game with, with Dylan and I there. Um, he quickly made a comment or whatever. He said, I'll, I'll still take the over under on, I think it was 29.5 goals from the season. And I said in response, I think Duhame should be paid more money. Um, and that, uh, and that I'll take the under on 25 goals um so yeah so it is a bet but then he was like i think duham needs to actually pay some more money for that hit first and then before he gets paid for it i was like oh touche well hang on though is there a real bet here i think so we haven't we haven't set a price yet but um i i do think i think caprizo is going to get less than 29 goals this year i really do i yeah i also agree sean let's go you listen to to the podcast i'd love to be proven wrong oh and that's like a win-win for me you know unlike betting on canada to beat the U.S. and the World Juniors, because that so just it, fucking stings. So what? What's up with Kaprizov? Like, it, I hate being this person because, like, you see it with any good player that goes through a slump. Is he hurt? Like, what's the deal here? Because to start the season, like you said, he looked great. He was making incredible plays. I wish he would try to score goals occasionally, but he still looked good. And the last like two or three games, he just hasn't looked the same at all. I don't know if it's injury. I don't know if it's frustration. Like, what, what do we think here? He might be hurt. He, um, I, like, I, his skating hasn't really been impacted. It could be just a mix. Of, maybe it's a minor injury, something nagging, and the mental side of it, too, just getting frustrated that things aren't working as easy as they were last year. Okay. Fair enough. Because Fiala, again, like, there's, I don't think there's any sort of injury there. I just think it's textbook Fiala. He can't do everything by himself. I think um, he's looked largely okay for the season. Exactly. So. And and the last two losses, again, it, it's not on everyone necessarily. Sucked. Yeah, everyone kind of sucked. And they had to change things on the fly with Zuckerel, Pitlick, and Goligoski being in. Pitlick, yeah, it doesn't matter too much, though. I love that the guy coming out of the box had that one goal chance and then ends up. Um, Maybe it was the maybe he had the assist on the play. Yeah, the other scorer had the assist on the play against the Vancouver Canucks, but still walked out of it with a point. Um, Golgoski's been I, I've really liked his game for the Wild thus yeah. far this season. So losing a rock on the back end that's going to hurt. That's going to shake things up. And Zuccarello, he's been the best forward, not naming Ryan Hartman or Felino on this team. Like he's leading, he was leading in points, right? Seven points on the season. So yeah. there's that as far as scoring. Um, again, when we were harping on him, Zuccarello pulled the trigger more. Not in direct response to us, but you saw in Vancouver, the guy was everywhere. He was trying to skate through three fucking guys at some points, and I was like, "Easy, buddy, calm down." <laughs> you can't have it both ways, Isha. Um, now <laughs> I, I gotta know how much did it just kill you to see Kulikov get placed next to Spurgeon? Ugh, I want to throw up. Oh, I really, I, I, I can't stand his game. I don't think he's good, and I oh, want not. him to prove me wrong. <laughs> He's, no, he's not good, and he's never proven anyone wrong. But no, but that's the thing, and I'm I never, I never go out looking for any sort of fights with the analytic community because I really do think that they help enhance 
They're, they're an extra lens in looking at the game, and I respect that. But when the analytics community comes back at me defending Dmitry fucking Kulikov, like, give your fucking head a shake. Why are you wasting your time defending this player? Like, are you going to tell me Greg Pattern has good analytics next? No, you're not, because they both suck. Like, Jack just, Johnson, analytical darling. Just stop it. Uh, like... <laughs> And you know who you are if you if you listen to this or if this is the clip that Hoppy shares. You know who you fucking are. Just stop it, okay? I don't have I don't have I don't have time for this, and you should and you shouldn't either. Anyways, now um, circling back though to the Kalen Anderson aspect, the other guy that I've actually been like, don't get me wrong, I don't think he's like one of our best players, but I've been very pleasantly surprised with Merrill thus far as well. And those two as a pairing, shit, man, were they the best pairing against the Avalanche? I I. You they might have me. been. You they might have been. Me. Yeah, they're they're pretty solid. They they put it this way: they made the least amount of mistakes. I'll say that much. And they've still made mistakes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here trying to print, paint the picture that Kalen Addison is just the perfect defenseman. <laughs> but you guys need to look at this guy and see what he brings. Because guess what? Tape to tape passes. No one on the team is doing it better than him in that one game sample. He the stretch passes, the way that he's able to create offense by getting it out of the zone, turning up ice quick. That is why you need a Kalen Addison. He's like the Chris Letang, just like Jesse Marshall said, like that is kind of what you're looking for him to become. And is that going to happen this year? No. Is that going to happen next year? Probably not. But we're looking in a couple of years at this guy being a stalwart on defense for us. Yep. If he can just slowly continue to progress his defensive responsibilities, what he does in our end of the ice Guy is going to be a lock for our top four. I, I hate that he has to play third pairing right now because of the injuries, but like guy is perfectly poised to be playing in one of those top four slots. And at a bare minimum, if he is playing, I don't care if he's third pairing or first pairing, get him on the power play. He should be yeah. quarterbacking the power play because he can do it better than anyone on our team. And yes, that includes Matt Dumba, who I know people will lobby for and say I'm an idiot, but sorry, no. Kalen Addison would do more on the power play than Matt Dumba. Not even D close. Put Dumba, you know, somewhere where he can let off the shot, you know, and still, you know, contribute if he wants. But no, I, I agree with you 100%. And it's funny you mentioned Dumba because I was thinking like once a Addison gets more of a role on this team really becomes like a staple, Assuming Matt Dumba's still on the roster, you have Spurgeon, Matt Dumba, and Kalen Addison. All offensive, I'd say, first defensemen, but very different, right? Whereas Spurgeon is kind of... I wouldn't say Spurgeon's offense. Well, okay, well, that's the thing. Spurgeon's kind of a hybrid. He's a rover play. He just plays a very unique defensive game, um, just on the smaller side of things, right? He's not, a, he's not a bruiser. He's not a guy that people fear on the physicality side. Dumba's kind of just intense, right? And he doesn't, the offense doesn't necessarily always flow through him. He likes to do things himself, but he's just fucking intense, right? And yeah, he's going to cheat a little because he wants to score and he wants to get that puck in deep. And then you have, like you said, Kalen Addison, who could be like a Latang, a very, very nifty passer and a guy where the offense can actually flow through him. So I'm, I'm very excited for that day, assuming that day comes, but all three of these guys have a very, a very big impact on the back end. Yeah. And Bummer that he chopped the hair and got rid of the stash, but it'll, it'll be come back. back. It'll Same be thing back. for Kaprizov too, man. He chopped it all off and some people were ready to cry. Well, that's why he's playing like shit, probably. It's been one game. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't like revert and be like, yeah, he had a bad five game stretch because he chopped <laughs> it for the last one game. <laughs> he's he's trying something new and it's not helping. I wonder.
I want to. I wonder what else is next. I wonder if he's a really superstitious guy too. Nah, just a little stitious. Um, he doesn't and, wear a lot of ties, does he? I've noticed. I don't know. I don't like wearing ties, so I'm totally with him in that. I like ties. ties. ties I love suck, ties. Dude. I always leave that one button open, anyways, and just hide it behind the tie. I do that um, too, but. I get yelled at, so that's why I hate ties. Dude, I have so many nice ties. My dad and one of my um he's my grandfather, he's my grandma's second husband, third husband. He uh he left me all his custom like Italian suits. Nice. I have like they're all so 80s, 80s fit. We'll just say that. So I got a lot of tailoring to do. But the ties, man, the ties that came with all these suits, unbelievable, unreal. So I'm a big tie guy over here. Okay. I'm <laughs> I can get on board with a really nice tie. You could talk me through that, but well, I mean, they're from the '80s and they're Italian, so nice or just—I don't know what word would you'd use to describe them, but they're—they catch your eye. We'll just say that. Silky, <laughs> love it. Um, I—I want to say too because like everyone has just been like full extreme, which I guess is normal for hockey fans. But like start of the year, everyone, oh wow, they're so goddamn good. No, they're not. You're all very wrong. They have not looked good in any of their wins with the yeah, exception average. of kind of Winnipeg. And you did that against a Blake Wheelerless Winnipeg, but they have done nothing so far this year to show me anything. Um, but then there's the people who are saying now that like Kaprizov, I mean, to your point with the jokes, right? Oh, Kaprizov's a boss, 9 million. Nice. Like does everyone realize that it's not even 10 games into the season yet? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Talking it's about any of this. Talk American to me Thanksgiving. on Thanksgiving. Exactly. No, like this is all so dumb. But I, I, I mean, to your point, Disha, we still at least have to stop and ask the questions. Like, what is going on there? So, yeah. I, hey, look, Hoppy in Vancouver. Those same questions are being asked. People already are asking for Travis Green to be fired out here. It's it's a crazy, it's a crazy time. Let me just say these two markets that I follow. I I still love Minnesota way more. Like the the fans are just way better. Don't get me wrong. On Twitter, anyways, not not overall because just got to give it to my West Coast fans there. But um, it's <laughs> Canucks Twitter is a very dark place right now with the, all the comments weighing in also and what's going on with the league, which we'll get into to uh, shortly here when we bring on David Schuster. Mixed with no positivity coming out of the Vancouver Canucks on the ice. Oh, let me just tell you, um, it was a nice weekend just to stay away from Twitter and just kind of dive. Well, stay away from hockey twitter and just focus on ufc uh because it was a great bout this weekend but lastly i have a couple notes on the nhl i know we only have a couple more minutes here before david's going to join us but uh i just fucking fucking calgary with limited score coming from their stars and fucking pacific division man seattle is annoying as fuck those weren't very detailed notes no i'm uh (laughs) i'm not happy I'm not happy right now. The fucking Oilers, man. Even when I thought the Canucks might uh, bring something to the table, they honestly looked okay against the the Edmonton Oilers. They the Oilers still in in kind of a tight defensive game still come out on top. The Calgary Flames they have no scoring coming from Kachuk. I think Monahan scored his second point, first goal of the season uh, last night. And pretty much Johnny Hockey and Lind- uh, Lindholm are doing everything out there. Somehow they're still winning games too because of March. Well, I mean, March is fucking incredible. 96 save percentage right now. 
unreal. The Philadelphia Flyers fucking suck this season too. I mean, the, shouldn't have even beaten the Canucks. That was a dog's breakfast of a game. They only got like fucking, I think, 15 shots against the Calgary Flames too. Um, but that it, I watched a lot of the Flames game last night actually, and it was just it was just a boring fucking game. Um, and then so that just comes to my third note: the fucking Pacific Division. It's just it's just so shitty to watch right now. Um, unless you're uh, an Alberta fan, honestly, unless you live in that province and Seattle. <sighs> Winning games that they're just not supposed to win, like against the Minnesota Wild. Um, I'm glad the Vancouver Canucks got a win over them. But uh, honestly, I, I, I credit the passion that the fans are bringing. You know, I had Joey Cirillo on the last uh, last Soda Pod episode. He's great. Love Joey. But it's starting to annoy me, man. These hockey fans who just like didn't, you know, especially the ones on the West Coast here, Hobby, who weren't Vancouver Canucks fans, who just weren't hockey fans at all. Now suddenly hockey fans because the Kraken are in town. Like, fuck you. Anyways, that's, they're annoying. That's, that's literally what the goal of the expansion team was. But yeah, not not in not on Vancouver Island, not in British Columbia. They should have uh, they should have taken to their their hometown team. So I'm I'm a little yeah, angry. They about want more that. stress in their life for sure. Well, they don't know. They're not in it. They don't know. Or maybe nope. they defected. <laughs> no, maybe maybe they know. Just like I, I wouldn't ever try and encourage someone that I like find on the streets here in Minnesota to be like. Hey, you know what? You should be a Vikings fan because it's really good for your health. Like, fair, <laughs> fair, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but hang on though, on, on the Pacific, Pacific Division, man. We got the San Jose Sharks who are winning games that they shouldn't. Well, we've now got not, the but... LA Kings that everyone should like now because Drew Doughty's hurt. And <laughs> and we have the Anaheim Ducks who have Jack Eichel. Like, what what's boring about this division? Yeah, apparently Silverberg. 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 I, I always forget the F when I write that. I called out for that a couple times the other day on Twitter. Um, yeah, apparently he was take. There was like a glitch or something on their webpage, and he wasn't there. And every this is just how on edge everyone is waiting for Eichel. Everyone was like, "Oh my god!" And like reporters, like actual NHL reporters too, were like, "Silverberg, Silverberg has been taken off the roster. Like he might be involved in a Jack Eichel trade. Like, and it." Anyways, that's just how on edge everybody is. Where... How does that how does that glitch happen where someone's not on the roster? That sounds very deliberate. Hey, I don't know. I don't <laughs> put websites together. But he was back on there in like 40 minutes. So maybe like the trade was about to go down. And it was just like one pen hadn't hit paper. And they're like, actually, nah, this needs to be changed. Blah, blah, blah. Deal falls through. Silverberg gets another text. Actually don't pack your shit it didn't happen i don't know i don't know but anyways um i'm not liking as a canucks fan as someone who yeah predicted edmonton to do very well and predicted calgary also to make the playoffs i was hoping also the vancouver canucks in that would also be playing well since edmonton and calgary are the ones that are <laughs> beating the vancouver canucks and are doing very well in their own right i am just i just am trying to stay as far away from the Pacific Division as possible right now and just like, watch as much wild hockey as I can. Well, dude, would you believe? So my dad's in Vegas right now. After selling his business, he still kind of contracts for these people to keep making him money. So it works out for him. So he's out there for a show, and he sent me like a picture of the odds that he's got at the place he's staying. Dude, Calgary Flames, what do you think their odds are to win the cup right now? I don't know. It's probably something nuts. I I, I don't know. Give it to me. 50 to 1. Are you serious? So, yep, I slapped money down there. Who do you think Winnipeg Jets are? 
Were they like like 40? 50 to 1. Dude, I got to put some money down on both those teams too. Well, but that's like, so the place that I very legally wager today, <laughs> not even remotely those odds. And then what do you think? Dude, this one blew my mind. Carolina Hurricanes. What do you think those odds are? Carolina 25. Oh, all right. Well, you, I don't think you know much about betting. No, they're, no. They're 20 to 1, and it makes zero goddamn sense. They sh- should be like no, 25. 10 to 1. Okay, 20. 20 and 21. I got them for 20. So, yes, had, those, are, those are the bets that I've placed this weekend. <laughs> well, um, what was Nashville that that one year when they made the the Cup Finals against Pitcher? I bet I bet that year on them because that was like wasn't that like forty one? So yeah, it was it was something that's like I, I had money on them and Pittsburgh that year. I know I was, it was win, pretty comfy. <laughs> it was win win for you, but no, that year I remember um, opening week. I was like, this this is the year Nashville's going to do it, and I was, I was close. You, man. I was fucking. I let me tell you, I've never hated the Pittsburgh Penguins more in my life, and I'm a Cavs fan. And then that, that makes me feel so happy. I was you don't understand. That, Dude, I was at a wonderful. buddy's house, and then I got so liquored after it drowned my sorrows that I don't even remember getting home. Like they had someone carried me home. They said, "Like so I just, you know like, how good I, oh. Boston fans feel that you hate them for that 2011 oh. Cup. Like that, I feel equally as good that you yeah. hate the Penguins for them beating the Predators. That that makes me feel warm inside." <laughs> hoppy like it went from me just like pouring my drink in like you know a little cup like this to just like oh fuck give me the bottle like i was like i just can't i can't do this um fucking pk suban and his mouthwash comments or whatever it was toothpaste <laughs> breath mints <laughs> oh man i think it was um, mouthwash yeah <laughs> his breath stinks <laughs> Oh, I mean, I, credit to him. Crosby was a little rattled because of that. Just a little bit. A little bit. Oh, man. All right. Um, we're going to dive into it. We wanted to bring on a guest, someone close, someone in the Chicago market who was around the Blackhawks throughout this cup run as well during that time. David Schuster, again, longtime beat writer, longtime Chicago sports broadcaster, and now host of uh, Chicago sports with David Schuster, the podcast uh, on the other side, he's going to join us to dive into the Chicago Blackhawks sexual assault scandal here in episode 221 of the soda pod. NFL fans hungry for a big win this week. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state or province yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLING. 
All right, everybody. We have David Schuster, longtime Chicago beat writer and broadcaster, now host of many podcasts, in particular Chicago Sports with David Schuster, covering the Chicago Bulls, the Chicago Blackhawks, and sports gambling with uh, with the with the man himself, Andy Roth, who I say is the expert in uh, in futures bets and making money there. Uh, David's here to talk about the Chicago Blackhawks, both on the ice, but also with everything going on off the ice in their sexual assault scandal david how are you sir i'm doing great scott and isha it's a pleasure pleasure joining you guys oh well we appreciate that sir yeah we do appreciate it and i mean just to start here david because again uh we'll get into this more as we go but obviously something you weren't privy to all of the horrible details that we're about to talk about here with the john doe now known as kyle beach incident can you just walk people through the high level, anyone that maybe doesn't know what's going on and why everyone's up in arms of the Blackhawks? You know, what, what's the situation here? Well, the situation is currently, I mean, uh, the Blackhawks finally fessed up that there was something that happened here. I mean, we're going back 11, 11 plus years when this incident happened. Um, it was covered up. I got to give him credit for covering it up. It was covered up pretty darn good. And it really didn't come to light even for people like myself and other people in the media till, I don't know, maybe the better part of two years ago, maybe even less than that. Um, currently, uh, because it did come to light and there's been a lawsuit, obviously, by Kyle Beach towards the Blackhawks. It has not been settled. I don't know if it will. Obviously, it comes down to money at some juncture like it always does. Yeah. Um, you know, the Blackhawks finally, like I said, fessed up. They did an independent uh, research. They hired a, uh, a high-profile law firm in Chicago to do an analytical um, study, for lack of a better term, of what happened 11 years ago. They they interviewed, I'm told, well over 100 people, and that included uh, players and management people. And, and there were some people, I think, in the media that were called to testify or be interviewed. I wasn't one of them. Um, and so bottom line is, I guess this law firm, and they did an extensive, and I do mean extensive um, report on this. They did release it, of which you can now find in a lot of different areas. And because of all that, I mean, the Blackhawks had to, like I said, you hate to use the word, but fess up that they were guilty of something. And now it's just a matter of, can they uh, negotiate a settlement with Kyle Beach and his representatives, or does it go to some kind of independent, whether arbitrator or jury? I'm not really sure how that works out. It's over my uh, pay grade, to be honest with you. But that's where it's at. And a lot of people obviously um, have been hurt, most of all Kyle Beach, obviously, from what happened 11 years ago. But now some people, uh, their their legacies have been tarnished. They'll never regain those uh, legacies the way they were. People have lost their jobs. And, you know, there's an old adage, you know, instead of telling a lie to, you know, cover up a lie, just tell the truth. And unfortunately, in retrospect, they didn't tell the truth at the time. As I said a little bit, even before we started recording here, in, in, a, in a way, I sort of understood why they didn't at the time, but it doesn't make any difference. It was wrong then and it's wrong now. And like I said, there have been numerous repercussions beyond Kyle Beach. He's the one most affected, obviously, but there are repercussions to many other people. 
Well, and what what hurt me the most, what made me the most sad uh, about about this story, David, before even Kyle talked about it, and I watched the Kyle Beach interview he had with Rick Westhead of TSN, which was just, it was heartbreaking, mm -hmm. you know, to say the least. Mm -hmm. But learning about it, about what Brad Ulrich did after his time with the Blackhawks, mm -hmm. you know, if the Blackhawks at the time would have addressed this, you know, then maybe they could have saved some of those other kids who he affected after. And that's what, that was what was most gut wrenching for me at the time. So there, like you said, there were repercussions, you know, just outside of the legacies of some of the people who were involved for obviously tarnished now forever. This, this predator was still able to, to, to find victims after, which was really what made me sick. Um, what was your reaction hearing the news? You know, when you first did being just so close to this team before, during, and after this run, well, I mean, that that was one of the you know great runs of hockey. I mean, you know, Edmonton won four in a row and the Islanders won four or four in a row and other teams have had, you know, listen, Montreal has the, the all-time dynasty, but the Hawks won three cups in a span of six seasons. And that's a mini dynasty, if nothing else. And it was really good times. And they were the toast of the town, you know, during that, that stretch. Uh, uh, and then even afterwards, you know, they were still a really good team. But now looking back on all of that, because of what has now come out, it's sort of like punctured the balloon. It's tarnished not only, you know, mine, you know, and who am I, but it's tarnished Blackhawk fans. I mean, I read this long article today by one of the local writers in one of the newspapers, and he quoted a lot of longtime season ticket holding fans who said that they, they were so upset and distraught by all this that they are canceling their season mm. ticket packages and will never um, renew them. You know, and listen, that's where it really is going to hurt the words. No, family. yeah, for sure. You know, and and uh, it's no irony to me that after this was first announced, the story came out that the Hawks admitted to everything. You know, a short time ago, their sellout streak ended at 500 and some odd games, and I don't think they're going to have a sellout now going forward. So this has had an immediate effect. And we'll have a much longer range effect as well. And you mentioned there, I mean, this is obviously going to hit the Wurtzes in their pocketbook. Everything we're seeing, and I'd love your input here, but everything we're seeing says that the Wurtzes truly were in the dark to this. It never rolled up to them. Like, it, do you believe that? No, okay. <laughs> I don't. I mean, uh, people smarter than I swear that that's true, but I don't see how it can be. I've never met an owner of any team in sports, and I've been around for a long time with a lot of different sports over many, many years, where the owners of the team that I know didn't know everything that was going on, where all the skeletons were buried. You know, this this independent uh, firm did did their research, and they they said also that it wasn't that way. But listen, I'm I'm a uh, I'm a little bit of a skeptical cynic, if you will, and I do believe in some conspiracies, and I can't prove anything, nor do I even want to try and prove anything. It just seems really unbelievable, especially that family who is so intertwined in everything that goes on, did not know what was going on. But, you know, I could be wrong about that. It just seems very, very strange. Well, and let's dig in on that a little bit, because I totally agree. And even with most teams, right, like the owners have their hands pretty deeply entrenched in things. Everything we're hearing now, though, not only looking back over the past, you know, five years or so, but now really with this coming to light, we're seeing that there was kind of a divide in the front office. Right. And I want to know, like you say, like every ownership team should know about this. Well, what if the guy beneath them is John McDonough? 
what does that impact? Well, I've known John for a long time uh, and uh, smart cookie. I mean, knows, knows how uh, to market and public relations and how to make money, not only for himself, but the organizations he's worked for. I mean, he did it for the Cubs for many years. He came over to the Blackhawks and he did a lot of moves that helped put a lot of fans in back into the seats, um, get them back on the front pages of the sports section, you know, along with, uh, you know, first it was Dale Talon who made a couple of those draft picks. And then, you know, Scotty Bowman followed him up. Um, you know, the players, you have to win. You gotta, you gotta perform on the ice, but John McDonough from a front office standpoint, and he was as high on the totem pole as it gets short of being an owner of the team. And I think actually he might've even been, cut in on some kind of ownership that I'm not hundred percent sure of, you know, he, he, he made all the decisions, but again, he had to answer to, to the words family. And, and, and again, I could be wrong about this. I just find it very strange that the ownership didn't know about it. You know, John obviously did, and he was probably orchestrating, um, you know, what was going on behind the scenes as far as a cover up and, and not admitting to it when it first initially happened. That that were that that's come out. That's a part of the reports. But he right. wasn't the only one. There were a lot of other people in the front office, and Joel Quenville was certainly privy to it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why you know he's no longer coaching down in Florida. So yeah, it 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 was a it was a conspiracy cover up. To be honest with you. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, there's a lot of people that we can point fingers at here, right? And the only reason I'm digging in a little bit more on John McDonough, he's actually an alum of the same university I went to. Like I met him. He brought the cup on campus. Like, like you said, like he did incredible things first for the Cubs, then going over to the Blackhawks. And it still feels like there's no one that was more in control of that organization than a John McDonough, to your point. Like, how much do you think this falls at his feet versus, well, no, this oh, is everybody? No, he's he's being made out to be the scapegoat. You know, even though his name has not been mentioned sometimes, he's definitely the scapegoat here. Um, if the words, words themselves are saying that they didn't know anything about it, and yet they're blaming it on all the management types, he was the highest management type there was. So, you know, and they, they've gotten rid of everybody who was part of that hierarchy back then. John was actually let go a couple of years ago now at this point. A lot of people wondered why, why was it? Why, why was he let go at that point? There was no real given reason at that point. Well, now you sort of know maybe that was, this was all part of it, to be honest with you. So yeah, they're, they're making him out and, and maybe he, you know, he was, he was in charge, not debating that whatsoever, but I think they're also using him a little bit more as a scapegoat on top of everything else. Yeah, and you you mentioned that you know all those involved um, are kind of getting their due in that the front office now clean it, it cleaned house right with the Chicago Blackhawks. Joel Quenville um, he's no longer coaching with the Florida Panthers. Yet Kevin Shevel Dayoff, who was an assistant manager at that time, and you know with all the reporting that I've read, not a huge voice in that room. Um, I listened to Elliot Friedman's podcast Thirty Two Thoughts, and you know he even talked about in the, in that podcast too how. Again, what's been reported about him was that he was his voice had the smallest impact. Yet, upon having a meeting with the NHL, upon Joel Quenville losing his job, he is still the general manager of and, and will continue to be the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets. Why why do you think that is? I don't know. I would have loved to have been a fly on uh, on the wall when he had that uh 
meeting with Gary Bettman? I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, he he was part of it. He might have been a minor voice at the time. He might not have been part of any decision-making process. Listen, Scotty Bowman was in his initial year as general manager. So, you know, he has since pretty much through, uh, if you read between the lines, is saying in retrospect that, yeah, he knew about it at the time, but he was so new on the job and he didn't really honestly know what to do. Well, Sheffield Dayoff was also pretty new on the job. So I don't understand the differentiation between the two of them, right. why, you know, Bowman had to resign or get fired, take your pick. And why Sheffield Dayoff, after his meeting with Gary Bettman, is still employed up in up in Winnipeg. I, I don't know. I would have loved to have been in on that meeting and heard what, what was transpired between those two. Do you think, given everything that's going on, that he just should resign to maybe save his legacy? No, he's off the hook now. I think his legacy. <laughs> you know, sometimes you go to you know you go to trial, even if you might be guilty of something. But if the jury finds you not guilty, your your legacy is is intact. You know, you're not written. He's in a Canadian like market, though, David. So I don't know about that. Like I'm just saying. <laughs> I know basically TSN, Minnesota. T- TSN radio. I know it's not a thing there anymore. But I know the Canadian market. They're they're crazy. They're crazy. <laughs> I'm one of them in Vancouver. No, but 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 fair enough. I just wanted to, to ask that question question seeing that i'm i'm just surprised as is you as is the entire hockey world yeah i, I really am surprised i mean i i thought that this would be across the entire spectrum that everybody would would suffer the consequences and why he didn't like i said something happened that in that meeting and he convinced uh Bettman that you know what he what he did or what he knew was not uh, guilty enough for him to lose his job currently um, so in, in the summer, Brent Sopo was one of the, a player who's very, you know, a player of the Chicago Blackhawks at that time, Stanley cup champion. And he was very vocal saying that any player on that team who denied they knew anything was lying essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, in the summer when some of the players were questioned about this, you know, they denied knowing anything about it. Now, some of the key players like a Jonathan Taves, like a Patrick Kane say they knew something about it, not at the time of the cup run, but in preseason, you know, the following year. Why do you think Taves and Kane have just this loyalty to this management and don't want to come out and actually speak their truth, assuming, assuming it is the truth? Well, I think they're also protecting themselves, to be honest with you. I mean, this is one of those he said, he said kind of stories. I yeah. mean, uh, it wasn't only Sopel who said that everybody knew. Nick Boynton, who was also on that team, said everybody knew at the time, not the following year. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, I guess all the players, whether it's Kane or Taze, and I don't want to besmirch them. You know, I'm just telling you, once again, it's hard to believe you know, who who do you believe? Okay. I mean, if, if two of the players said that everybody knew and, and some of the players and listen, I was, you know, part of the interviews when uh Kane and Taze and I even heard Duncan Keith, you know, interviewed up in Edmonton say that they just didn't know at the time, but they found out the following training camp. Okay, well, that's what they said. I, you know, there was no lie detector attached to any of them to know if they were a hundred percent on the level or not. Again, it's it's just very hard to believe some of the things that people say. I'm not going to besmirch anybody. It's just hard yeah. to believe. No, and that's fair. But, I mean, you just mentioned one there, Duncan Keith, right? Hundred, at least, interviewed, brought in to talk through this investigation. He's one of the ones that surfaced now as not being willing to participate. And, I, I mean, I get, like, it's he's trying to separate himself from it. He's not with Chicago anymore, trying to put it behind him, whatever. I just, me personally, 
unless I've got a guilty conscience, I'm willing to cooperate and at least give my part of the story, even if it overlaps with other people, whatever, like all that does is validate other stories. So do you have any personal opinions on Duncan Keith specifically being, you know, a player of the magnitude he was in that market, Mm -hmm. not participating? Well, it certainly raises some questions and it raises some doubts, not only in my mind, but many others who take a look at this thing objectively. Um, yeah, why why didn't you? I mean, Kane and Tace, you know, were interviewed and they spoke their piece, whether it was 100% on the level or not. Again, I'm not going to speak towards that. Why wouldn't Duncan Keith? I mean, using it as an excuse that he's no longer in Chicago, eh, that doesn't really cut the mustard, to be honest with you. Um, he could have done that if he wanted to. I like Duncan Keith. In fact, I liked everybody on that team. They were it was a fun, fun, fun team to be around. And let's face it, they were they were really, really good, of course, too. Um, I, I can't tell you. You know, sometimes people get caught up. You know, when when the long arm of the law or whatever is questioning you, who knows what people actually have to say, so to speak. Yeah, and. I'm just wondering now, like we've seen all of this come up here just this past week, right? From your perspective, just what you know or what you have started to intuit, what's next? Like, where does this go from here? Ooh, well, I mean, obviously the thing that's really hanging over all this is, you know, what kind of settlement, uh, if at all, is going to be negotiated and, you know, will it go to some kind of uh, arbitrator, mediator, court? I'm not really sure how that works. So that's the big question. You know, um, reporters will continue to dig now that, you know, the story is out. I mean, everybody's going to be playing catch up from a story from 11 years ago. Not the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll continue to try and interview whether it's the Sopels or the Boyntons or, you know, the Patrick Sharps or whoever else was part of that roster. You know, Adam Burrish, you know, so on and so forth. And, and and see if they can get something on the record as to, you know, them saying that everybody knew about it. So, yeah, there'll, there'll be more that'll come out of it. Uh, right now, the Blackhawks have a lot of problems, not only behind the scenes with this story, but obviously we haven't even talked about what's going on with them on the ice. And, you know, they set a franchise record last night for starting the season with a winless <laughs> through nine games. So franchise you know, record. I love that. <laughs> it's 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 not a good situation, both on and off the ice currently for the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, so I mean, touch on that. Like what what is happening on the ice? Because I admittedly was one of the people that looked at this team after Both of what us. they did I, last year. I, I, I won't let them take the fall. With everything that I, happened in the summer, we all were like, okay, they, they could be something this year. They could be a threat. I yelled well, it louder than you did, but they looked <laughs> good last year. They were without Taves and Doc. They add, I mean, again, whether or not the contract for Seth Jones makes sense, he's still an upgrade from Duncan Keith at this stage of their careers. You bring yep. in Flurry, like everything was poised for them to have a solid bounce back year and – Boy, have I been wrong. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, it's uh, what's that old adage, whatever can go wrong, you know, does go wrong or something like that. Um, Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law, thank you. And it, and I'm not talking about Connor Murphy on defense, although you know, he's <laughs> he's part of this too, honestly. I mean, they, they've played well in snippets of games, but let's face it, like, like a coach will always say, it's a 60-minute or more game. You know, you, you can't play snippets. You got to play consistent. They didn't have a lead. I mean, they set another dubious record by not having a lead to start a season in any game. They went seven plus games without a lead in any game. Um, their defense has been shoddy. Mark Andre Fleury, I think he, you know, 
you know, he, he, he debated long and hard before coming here to Chicago. He could have retired, but I think his accountant and his agent got a hold of him and said, here's $6 million reason why you're not retiring. So I don't know, maybe his head wasn't into it. He finally played a good game yesterday against St. Louis, but up until then, he had been a little shoddy. He even admitted it um, after last night's game. Uh, Patrick Kane has missed a little bit of time now with COVID. He hasn't come back. Jonathan Taze didn't, didn't get into the scoring column until I think the fourth or fifth game. Um, I still don't think he has a goal. He's just got assist at this point. I don't know. Whatever is, can go wrong has gone wrong with this team. And listen, once something snowballs, it just snowballs. And, and I think, unfortunately, uh, you know, they've been, um, they've been unveiled, to be honest with you, to be not even a, an average team, but right now a bad team. Yeah. All right. Two more questions here, David. First one, this one's hard for me because I am probably the loudest Bill Guerin supporter that you'll come across. I loved him with everything he did in Pittsburgh, coming over to Minnesota. Team USA got Pretty, you. Come on now. But that's, but that's what I'm getting into here, Isha. So like the day after Bowman is announced as no longer being the GM for Team USA, immediately they come out and say, Bill Guerin has been cleared of all charges with Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Oh, and he is now the GM of Team USA. Like, anything fishy there? Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like they just want to bury a lot, a lot of stories at one time. Maybe they just wanted to take... I, you know, that one's, I don't know. I'm not really involved in that one. So I'm just guessing to be honest with you, but maybe they just wanted to move on real quickly from the Bowman thing. And listen, now, now they've moved on to another uh, thing. I don't know. Well, listen. and David, to me, the, the issue is like, why wasn't it announced sooner that Garen had been cleared of charges, right? Like cleared know. of involvement, whatever. Like it's literally the day after like, oh, hey, by the way, guys, Garen has been cleared of involvement and he's now the GM of Team USA. Like it just seemed weird to me personally. I don't know who's even higher up the food chain with U.S. hockey, but it might not be smarter minds, to be honest with you. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, we'll move past that. So I got to ask then, like everyone's been shouting for different things, obviously, but let, let's focus on the tarnished legacies like you've talked about. Yeah. Do we need to remove names from the cup? Do we cross them out and highlight that they were there and that they've been shamefully removed? Like what, what do you think makes sense with the legacies of some of these men that are kind of being highlighted in everything that's happened here with Kyle Beach. Well, Aldridge's name will be removed from the cup. I mean, yeah. uh, um, Rocky Wirtz, I don't know how this works either, but I guess he got in contact with, uh, I don't know, the Hall of Fame or the Stanley Cup people or whoever it is. And I don't know how they do that. They get out an eraser and just erase it. or un un <laughs> Apparently they, they do the whole, they, they do the whole row. They single the whole row, then they re-engrave all the names and leave whatever one is single. I was looking that up, actually. I want to know who's going to pay for that. <laughs> Seriously. Well, I don't know. After only a $2 million fine, I think the Blackhawks. I think the, the Blackhawks. Yeah, yes. <laughs> okay, that's where I was going. With this. I was sort of leading you into that one. If that costs 5000 or 50000 The Words family has got to pay for that. Yes. And by the way, $2 million fine by the what NHL. What a joke. One Absolute yeah. joke. Uh, $1 million of that $2 million is supposed to go to some kind of charity fund. I forget which one it is. Um, and that's probably tax deductible. But the real money that will come out of this organization's pocket in the Words family is what will happen in the settlement. And the Blackhawks have been making a lot of financial cuts here and there over the last year and a half. So that sort of told you what was really coming mm. down the road, to be honest with you. Um, 
as far as the players, no, the, the players' names will stay on it. They, they were not guilty of a crime, guilty of a cover-up, maybe, yes, in a, to a degree, but I don't think any of those names will come off the cup. As far as their legacies, only time can answer that question, to be honest with you. And I think more information has to come out, who knew what, when, and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. Um, like I said, you know, I, I'm pointing back to a lot of, how a lot of fans feel, including myself. I mean, you yeah. can't look at... You can't look at what happened the same way uh, before knowing what happened, you know, after the fact with this story. I mean, something terrible happened here. And it, it was part of the whole story, unfortunately. It just was. Not only the 10 cup, the 13 cup and the 15 cup. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of the same players were still there. So, yeah. you know, you just you look at it and go, oh, my God, you know, when you look back on it, when it's all said and done, could be 5, 10, 20 years from now, you'll remember this almost as much as anything else. For sure. Oh, and so the players, as of now, what we know, I'm with you, like their legacies aren't fully tarnished, but there's still more to be learned. But front office people, obviously Aldrich, out. Do you think any of the other front office should at least be in consideration for being removed from the cup? Well, they all were. There's been a purge of anybody who was working in the front office back then. And not only the front office, but it could have been, you know, the maybe some people in the medical staff, the video staff, what have you. Um, and I'm not privy to all those people, but I'm talking to saying all those people are gone. So, yeah, um, some of the players are still here. Uh, but anybody who was supposedly part of the decision-making Cover up process at the time they're all gone. Now that all being said, I, I saw what Gary Bettman said that if Scotty Bowman, or excuse me, if Stan Bowman, I wonder what Scotty Bowman thinks about all this. By the way, um, if Stan Bowman ever wants to get back into hockey, he will have to go through some kind of process um, to get back into the sport, um, as well as whoever else you know. Uh, was jettisoned either by the organization or or the league itself. So that might be interesting a year down the road. And, and there's probably precedent for something like this happening, although I can't think of anything off the top of my head. It's just it's just crazy to me that we th- I, I never thought that anything at this level would ever be unearthed after everything that happened with Graham James, which was just a little bit before my time, obviously, but I, you know, I read, I've read and worked with Theo Fleury. So I've whole, I've, I've heard his story, you know, very, I've read his book and worked with him rather. And so I know his story and Sheldon Kennedy's very well. And it just, it, that's just what just like, you know, it, it makes me shiver. It makes me puke just thinking about that. This is still happening, you know, at this day and age after, after that, after, yeah. after everything that came out. That, it's that. really interesting because Theo Fleury was, you know, with the Hawks for a short period of time, tail end of his career. I'd be curious if anybody has tried to talk to him, you know, not so much about what happened to Kyle Beach, but as far as, you know, how this affected, you know, him or how it might affect Kyle Beach for the rest of their lives and the cover up and all that kind of good stuff, because that's about as close as I can think of. And it was a good thing that, that you brought up, Isha, that, that, that I can think that is, uh, um, you know, in comparison to what's going on currently with the Blackhawks and Kyle Beach. Yeah, I don't think Theo has come out like on an interview and commented on it yet. I'm sure he will on his podcast when they get that uh, rolling again. But I know Sheldon Kennedy was on Sportsnet and he 
he gave his take on it. And it's very, it's very interesting. We want to get into that. We encourage everyone to go see that. Uh, just want to quickly give another, I know we talked about it earlier in the show, a uh, hoppy, but just like a huge shout out to Kyle beach too. the interview that he did with Rick Westhead was, was unbelievable. I thought he handled it professionally, which he didn't even have to do. Like there was no expectation for him to be as professional as he was, but he also was real. And I think just like the mix of, of those two was amazing. He didn't have to come out and do this, but he said he wanted to do it to show support for, for other survivors and to, to be part of the healing process. So thanks to Kyle beach and, and David, I know there's, there's a lot of shitty people right now in that Blackhawks organization, but um, there's a lot of great reporters and a lot of great fans, you know, such as yourself. So we really appreciate uh, you coming on the soda pod. You, you know how much I appreciate you outside the podcast working with you, but just wanted to give you a quick uh, shout out there. We really appreciate your time, man. Isha, I appreciate the the kind words, Scott. It's a pleasure meeting you, and I hope we can do this again sometime under different circumstances. Hey, when they, when they win like 10 in a row down the season, we'll bring you back on to, to, to bask in that joy. I'll be tripping over my beard. At that <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, David. We appreciate it. Thanks guys. Big thanks to David Schuster for making some time and for being super candid in that conversation. Again, David does, he does a lot of work for the hockey podcast network. He has an all sports gambling show, Hoppy, where his co-host Andy Roth, he's a futures fucking king. Like uh, he doesn't work. We'll just say that. And he, which sport? Uh, in all all professional sports, he uh, let, let's just say he has a few mansions because of this, and he's oh, being wow. humble when he says he only has one. No, no, no. This guy, <laughs> this guy has all those mansions because that's how much cash he has to store in them. Because he probably doesn't even trust the banks. That's how much money this guy wins. Uh, I may be exaggerating a little bit, folks, but he is an, <laughs> a wizard when it comes to futures bets. So go uh, check out uh, David Schuster's feed uh chicago sports with david schuster if you want to listen to the winning ways sports gambling podcast uh if you're a chicago bulls fan which probably none of you are but I mean, none of you are even timberwolves fans so why would you even why would you follow the chicago bulls at that point um he also covers the bulls and the chicago blackhawks uh pretty much every post game and then one other additional episode a week you can uh you can hear all about what's going on in the shit show that is on the ice with the chicago blackhawks because it's uh, it's a shit show on the ice as well. It's a shit show in the organization right now. It's a shit show on the ice. I mean, it, it's it's crazy what's going on with uh, the Chicago Blackhawks right now. But again, big thanks to David. Um, hard right turn here, but something I'm just going to go off about. I know this this episode, we're, we're about an hour long now, so I can't really go too much longer. But I was telling Hoppy here, and I want to explain to everyone just how magical it was watching uh, the UFC this weekend. UFC 267. Um, and we got another pay-per-view next weekend. So two, two number card back to back sometimes. And I'd say the last actually pay-per-view was, was pretty magical too. Sometimes every fight that has hype is just, it just brings it. And sometimes it's even better. And I was telling Hoppy, um, and I just, I got to bring their names up here so I can pronounce them properly. Um, Lee Jing Lang. He's ranked number 11th in the, the welterweight division right now. And rising star and prospect, Kaz, Hazmat Chemaev. What an unbelievably hyped bout. And this Chemaev guy, man, um, his first, he's, he's a 10-0 uh, pro record. Uh, five fights in the UFC, if I'm not mistaken. He has more wins in the UFC than strikes against. He's only been hit four times. Four punches. Four jabs. I don't even think there were kicks or anything. 
and he's an absolute killer. He was on a three, uh, four fight winning streak last year, last calendar year before getting hit with COVID like hard, which took him out an entire year. He's in the hospital for months. I mean, his life was at risk. That's how bad it was. So at 27 years old, fans were kind of like, oh, is he going to come back and be the same? Because he's an absolute specimen, Swedish born um, Dagestani raised. So he's an absolute monster physically, this guy. And coming back as advertised, man. So um, Lee is opponent, a veteran in the UFC. He's been around for about 10 years, 33 years old, just absolutely chiseled. Um, again, ranked 11. So he's in the top 15 ranked. Chimaev, um, I think he's only fought one other ranked UFC fighter. It starts, he runs towards Lee, picks him up, notices Dana White's on his phone, looks at Dana White and, and runs towards him and yells, Dana, get off your fucking phone, Dana, look at me. I'm going to kill everyone. I kill everybody. Slams Lee to the ground, ground and pound, passes guard, gets on his back, rear naked choke, Lee being the absolute beauty that he is. I mean, he actually fights the submission for, for quite a bit, like a minute and a half before actually doesn't even tap, just gets submitted. Falls asleep, right? And the ref grabs, sees that his arms limp, lets him go. Chimaev gets the three-minute TKO, or I guess submission victory here. 10-0 pro record, 5-0 in the UFC, all first-round motherfucking finishes. This guy is an absolute savage, and it was one of those sports moments where, like, you see this, and it's like a movie running towards the guy yelling at the, you know, the commissioner, the president of the league saying that like, I'm the best. I'm going to kill everybody. Get Are off you not phone. entertained? Yeah, are you not entertained? And dude, his post fight was the same. Like just, I'm going to kill everybody. I love this shit. I'll fight you all. Um, almost didn't make weight. You know, uh, if you don't make weight in the UFC, you have like an hour to like pretty much put on a sweatsuit and run around the building until you can get there. And usually you're like, people who, who hit that are like a pound or so off. So I think he's 171 or 170 and a half. We waited in 171 one uh, before. So uh, was able to finally make weight. He's a welterweight. So 170 pounds. Um, I, I think this guy might even be a double champion when all, when all things are said and done. I think he's going to run the welterweight division and then you'll probably move up to middleweight where he kind of walks around it and absolutely dominate there too. So if you're just a casual MMA or UFC fan, Chimaev, man, this guy's, he's going to be the next killer. Like I was telling Hoppy, I haven't been this excited to see a guy and this dominant since George St. Pierre. All right. There's my spiel, Hoppy. That was way shorter than I expected. Wow. That was one fight. That was one fight. I could have gone on, on the champ, like the main event where the guy was 42 years old from Danbury, Connecticut of all places, of course, um, with just the, Topical being the Danbury Trashers um, story. Hoppy, um, 40 professional MMA fights, 25 years in the UFC, if I'm not mistaken, or 20 years in the UFC. Um, he won the heavyweight title at 42 years old. And he dominated the champ. Like, he's not a striker, he's a wrestler. He fucking cranked the guy with an uppercut, got on his back, and choked him out. Like, it was... It was beautiful. And talk about betting odds. People made fucking money who bet on him. I think it was like a minus 400 difference or something like that. It was nuts. Wait, what? Or it was, a, I don't know. Anyways, I think he came in at like minus 400. That was, that's the thing. not good. Yeah. Anyways, what? If you, I, I could be wrong. I, min, I, I, minus 400 means you have to bet 400 bucks to win 100. Okay. There must have been plus 400. That's probably more right. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Blahovich was minus. Anyways. 
The odds were in your favor if you voted for him um, or bet on him. So, anyways, that's uh, that's all I got to say. I should have. I almost did. Can you imagine what that would do to elections if there was like odds on it and you're like voting had any kind of sway in that? Like, oh my god, that, that would that would change things. Don't give DraftKings any ideas. Well, no, you can you can bet on it at DraftKings. I'm sure. I'm more saying if like you as a voter, like you got something for the person you vote for winning. That'd just be interesting. That'd be nuts. It'd be um, horrible. It'd be bad. <laughs> yeah, man. I had a good weekend watching fights. Uh, you had a good weekend celebrating your mother's birthday. I hope everybody else had a good weekend as well. Uh, Vikings back, correct? Vikings back in an hour. Yeah. So recording this for you all listening on Monday, a little bit earlier. Usually we talk a little Vikings on the show but uh, we'll get back to that in the in the regular rotation there won't be good things to say so next okay. week <laughs> there'll be things to say anyways yeah. um thank you to those tuning in on google spotify and apple podcast folks the best thing you do for us this week any week is to give us five stars on itunes and apple podcast and kind review uh if you want more hockey content go listen to our website thehockeypodcastnetwork.com and on your app please download the episodes before you listen as it just helps our business uh, you can follow myself at VI Sports Talk. You can follow the Soda Pod at the Soda Pod. You can follow the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet. And you can follow Hoppy at State of Hoppy. Anything else, man? We good. Yeah, I think we're good because uh, Monday I just totally forgot to post the fucking episode. So making up for it here on this Monday. I uh, hope everyone had a safe and happy Halloween. Signing off, I'm Isha Drill, me alongside the state of Hoppy. This has been the Soda Pod presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. He already told me he's good. Don't fear, just drink some beer and stay wild.